0: Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Time is running out, so I'm not going to go over it, but in your bulletin, every Sabbath this year, we have a Bible Trivia Quiz. Make sure you go over those questions and respond. We, I, I have a few faithful that does it every week. At the end of the year, we will have prizes. All right. Am I on? I think if I just... Welcome back to Middletown series of the decade of this quarter. Staying sane in an insane world. Today, expect a miracle. Let us pray. God Almighty, our Father in Heaven, The one who created us, redeemed us, the one who is in control of our lives, of our kings, and of the history of this world. We pray that this moment in our worship service, you'll open our hearts and minds to receive your word. Thank you for providing for us a spiritual manna today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Miracles. What do miracles have to do with the book of Daniel? As you all know, we are studying from the book of Daniel. Well, I tell you, a lot. In fact, if you carefully read this fascinating book of the Bible, at least the first six chapters, you will be delighted... To find a miracle in every chapter, and every chapter will present you with an element of surprise. The story is told that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The story is recorded in Daniel chapter 1, and feel free to open your Bibles, open your devices to Daniel chapter 1. I will be reading from the New King James Version. Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Verse 4, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who has ability to serve in a king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Daniel 1 verse 5, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor of, and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. Verse 11, so Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. This is the test. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young man who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see feet, so deal with your servants. Verse 14, So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, Their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before nebuchadnezzar then the king interviewed them and among them all among them all none was found like daniel hananiah mishael and Azariah therefore they serve before the king and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm thus Daniel continued until the first year of king Cyrus why did I just read that For two reasons. Last week, I related to, in narrative form, the story of Daniel. Today, I wanted you to see the biblical record for itself. And as Pam pointed to me, there is power in the Word. So I want you to live and hear in the power of God's Word. My friends, That is the story of Daniel as he relates it in writing himself. And here are the insanities that we find in this chapter. Let's put them on the screen and see if we... if we can relate to them today. Nation at odds with other nation is there any nation at odds with other nation today no plenty of them disrespect for holy things how many people respect this word or anything that 30 years ago that 20 years ago was considered holy in this country Education without God in it. There you go. I I fled my country for religious freedom. To come to a country where I knew is the bastion of freedom that upholds and supports Christian education and education with God in it. It's hard to find that today. Unhealthy diet. We'll talk about it later on and misconception about health. I was doing a chaplaincy work two years ago, I was at at Norton, and one man really believed that we were created to eat meat, to be carnivores. It wasn't my place to have a argument with him there in his room, but it's happening. So after taken by force as captive and brought to Babylon, Daniel finds himself surrounded with pressures of his culture to succumb to his culture and to the culture around him. What did Daniel do? Daniel and his three friends, they are considered special. They are a selected They are selected to be part of a special group of captives. Not all captives had same privileges, same benefits. Verse 5 says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. They are carefully selected to become officials in the court of the greatest monarch on earth at that time. And along with that opportunity comes a set of challenges that place Daniel and his friends in a position to make a choice. I don't know if you had that happen to you. Many times it happened to me and were presented with raises... Promotions, contracts, advancements, and all all these opportunities out there come to us with their own challenges, sometimes with, with their strings attached to them. And most of the times we are placed in a position to make hard choices. And what are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the power, the money, the status, the position or are we going to respect and follow our conscience and serve and witness for the almighty God? Verse 8 <laughs> Oops. Verse 8 begins with a conjunction or a contrasting preposition, but in English, this preposition is used to introduce a phrase or a clause contrasting with what has already been mentioned. If you look at the text, if you, if you look back at Daniel 1, and if you just look at it as you look to a picture, to the grand picture of Daniel 1, you see that it really is a contrast of verse eight, the contrast of verse five, where the opportunity is being offered, and verses six and seven are purely inf- informative verses, informative of their name change. Verse eight is where the action begins to take place in this chapter, and not only here. In fact, it is the praise that sets the tone for the entire book. Daniel and his three friends are handpicked to serve the king. They are selected to go through a three years of training and not only that they are given free education but also free food. Well, you'll be glad if you go to college and they offer you free scholarship, and free food, right? That will be great. This is, they, this is Daniel and his three friends. And not only just any food. It is the food that the king himself eats. Why then this attitude? Why then this choice for Daniel? In case he upsets the king, not only he loses his opportunity, he also is in danger of losing his life. Daniel and his friends are welcoming the opportunity. However, they will only do it on their terms. And what he writes in verse 8 is astounding. Daniel, in the midst of all the insanities surrounding him, he purposed in his heart. How would you translate it? How would you make it in your plain English? Daniel made up his mind, right? He made up his mind to not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Why would he do that? As I said earlier, there are principles stated or observed in the book of Daniel that give, gives us a clue how to stay sane in an insane world. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself. The word defiled is the opposite of holy, which means to be set apart. In a culture that was filled with everything and anything but God, Daniel decided in his mind to stay holy, to stay committed to God. Given the opportunity to learn and acquire knowledge was a public privilege. Changing their names was also a public activity. Diet, on the other hand, was private. This will affect them more than anything else. And Daniel is smart enough to make a distinction between public and private life. He made up his mind to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to not let anything mess up with his private spiritual life. The question is... Why did he pick this battle on food and drink? I'm about to make a statement that will surprise some of us. And I want you to bear with me, listen to the whole sermon, to a whole series, before you make any objections. I'm going to put it on the screen. Before coming to Babylon, Daniel was not vegetarian, much less vegan. Yet he chooses to be tested and adopts a vegan diet. Why? I made research into the diet of the Israelites from the time of the time they arrived in the promised land to a time of Babylonian captivity and all the way through the time of Jesus. The ancient Israelites depended on bread, wine, and oil as the basic dietary items. Seven basic agricultural products, called the seven species, are listed in the Bible. Wheat, barley, figs, grapes, olives, pomegranates, and dates. The Bible also describes the land of Israel as a land flowing with milk and honey. Bread, wine, and olive were seen as direct links to the main three crops of ancient Israel, wheat, grapes, and olives. The daily diet of the ordinary Israelite was mainly one of bread-cooked cooked grains and legumes. Bread was eaten with every meal. Vegetables played a smaller but significant role in the diet. The Israelites drank goat and sheep milk when it was available in in spring and summer and ate butter and cheese. Figs and grapes were the fruits. And uh, And they, they, all these items of their diet was eaten fresh, were eaten fresh and in season. I remember I grew up like that. We didn't grow up with Kroger and with Fresh market and all that. You eat what you have in season. Actually, the Israelite meal is illustrated by the biblical description of the ratios ratios that. Abigail brought to David's men. Remember when, when David <coughs> was about to kill Laban, and his wife comes and talks with David. That's found in 1 Samuel chapter 25. The <coughs> she brought them bread, wine, butchered sheep, parched grain, raisins, and fig cakes. You find that in 1 Samuel 25:18. The Israelites usually ate meat from domesticated goats and sheep. Goat's meat was the most common. Beef was eaten primarily by the Elites. For most people, meat was only eaten a few times a year when animals were slaughtered for a major festival. That's my experience. And. Uh, <clears throat> And and, and only for special visits of special people or festival or celebration like weddings. Only at the king's table, meat was served daily according to the Bible. Considering that Daniel and his friends were from royal families, they may have eaten meat on a daily basis. And the Israelites also ate fish and uh, birds like pigeons turtledoves and wild birds such as quail and partridge since daniel and his three friends had such diet in israel why is then this choice to go literally vegan and to drink only water let's see what they rejected what did they reject The king's delicacies, right? And the wine which he drank. What were the king's delicacies and what type of wine did he drink? Some of the many vegetables that ancient Babylonians regularly ate were peas, lettuce, beans, cucumbers, cabbage, turnips, chickpeas, garlic, leeks, lentils, and beets. They're listed in the historical Records. Vegetables such as lentils and onions were primary components, primary ingredients in many soups, but other components in thick Mesopotamian soups were honey, animal fat, and juices of meat. Oops, this last thing concerns me. It probably concerned Daniel too. So their soups, thick soups, cons- included animal fat and blood. Two items God has, has prohi- prohibited his people to eat. And when it comes to meat, they ate beef, but they also ate pork. Daniel did eat, did drink wine in Israel, but the wine was fresh-squeezed grape juice. Ancient Babylonian wine was a, <coughs> was a beverage that was designed and purposefully made to make one drunk. So it was an alcoholic beverage to start with. In my research, I realized that Daniel's education at home Before the age 17, before he got to Babylon, before Babylonian education, his home education was far more important. We call that phase of our human development, family of origin time. During our time with our original family, with our mom and our dad, we learn the most And and the family of origin teachings or trauma can affect a child for the rest of their life. Ellen White, as well as other ancient Near Eastern scholars, stressed the importance of their commitment to the only true God as learned in their family of origin. In their education at home, they not only learned about God, but they learned how we as humans were created and designed to live on a plant-based diet. In Genesis 1.29, God said, See, I have given you herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food." Studies were done, and ancient kings have been studied either in writings or their mummied, mummies studied in the labs. And modern doctors have discovered that they all, all these ancient kings, suffered and died of the diseases caused by an unhealthy lifestyle and, certainly, unhealthy eating habits. I stated in the beginning that Daniel stayed sane in an insane world. His world, not much different than our world today. In fact, I'd like to put on the screen a sad chart. I brought that to you before. Yes, SAD stands for Standard American Diet. It is pretty sad, don't you think? Look at that. How much of the original diet that God created us to eat, we eat today? Only 7%. The rest of them are made up of 42% of dairy and animal products. And take a look at this. More than half of what we consume on a daily and weekly basis come from refined and processed foods. You probably didn't pay attention. But next time you go to your grocery store, pay attention to how much it is in the fresh food area. Not much. It's a small section. It's a small area where you can find those. Everything else is packaged. And you know when they package foods, they include additives to preserve the food so that even fruits and vegetables are not fresh anymore. And they come with added chemicals. So here is what happens when we, find, when we follow the sad type of foods to our diet. Look at the obesity rate in the US. I, I look, this is an older slide. In 1985, very much most of the country was healthy. Then 10 years later, we have changed. About half the country is somewhere between 15 to 19% obese. In 2005, that number has grown, and in 2015, that's why it was projected. It was projected to be about 40%. I looked at this, this is a fresh slide uh, slide. Look at this. Obesity red projected by 2030. More than 50% of the American population will be obese by 2013. Now you tell me how do these People got where they are, do you think diet had anything to do with it? Certainly. Except in cases that are genetically, for people that are genetically prone to being obese, most people got there due to their poor quality of food intake. But even with people that are genetically prone to obesity, there's, study done, there's studies done that show that one can change the family thread. Duke University made an interesting study on epigenetics. The study is called The Tale of Two Mice, where one mouse who was genetically prone to becoming obese gave birth to normal mice. This little mice was fed healthy food and it did not become obese. This study shows that even though there are individuals predisposed to getting overweight by eating right one can modify or suppress the genome that triggers the body to get fat. And the next generation will be a generation of healthier individuals still with the same predisposition but a much lower risk. The field of epigenetics is proving that we are not helpless victims when it comes to our genetics. And that may not be just food, maybe alcohol or name it, any other type of of, uh, unhealthy habit. The field of epigenetics proving that we're not helpless victims when it comes to our genetics instead we play an active role in the way our genes are expressed every lifestyle choice has the potential to help turn our good genes on and our bad genes off amen to that god has put us in put in us a regenerative power creative recreative power so no matter how you look at it the reality is this sad food brought us where we are why because there is an epidemic of overnutrition it was true in daniel's babylon it is true in our world the nutrition transition towards refined foods foods of animal origin and increased fat like they had plays a major role in the current global epidemics of obesity diabetes, and cardiovascular diseases. This is where we stand today. Pulpit and Pew study at Duke University School of Divinity reveals this number. 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. 76% of evangelical Christians overweight or obese. And 76% of evangelical pastors, Lord have mercy, overweight or obese. we got to stay active, and we got to eat right, huh? Can we do anything about it? Sure we can. We can change the way we eat and go back to our original diet, the Creator's diet, and leave the sad food alone. Daniel knew... He knew that eating healthy will keep his body and his mind healthy. And by the way, there is a lot. I, I, I drew on some much research this past week on this chapter that I could develop a dissertation. I have a whole folder in my computer about it. But there is studies done, you know, when we eat right, our prefrontal cortex stays clear. That's our pilot for the body and that's our connector to heaven our conscience stays clear that's just, uh, just the bonus of eating and living healthy Ellen White says in Petrarchs and Prophets page 488 the body is a most important medium through which the mind and the soul are developed for the upbuilding of character hence it is that, that the adversary of souls directs his temptations to the enfeebling and degrading of the physical powers. He knows that if we can get our bodies weak, we will also be weak spiritually. Because we are physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. That's how we were created Daniel also knew and observed that the food that was brought to the king's table was first offered as ritual sacrifice to the Babylonians' deities. To eat such food would mean to acknowledge and to worship such gods. That is why Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself Physically or spiritually. Daniel took action. Daniel did what is right. And guess what? Verse 9. And now here's the surprise. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Who brought Daniel into into the favor of of uh, 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 his boss. Who brought Daniel into a favor of that? God. Not only God did that, but he also made them made it succeed in school. Verse 17 says, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. Who gave them knowledge and skill? God gave them. Not their hard work, even though they worked hard. Not their perseverance, even though they persevered. Not even their diet. It was God. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. My friend, you can study day and all night, and you can eat the best diet, even though they are good things. The real success comes from God. Let's not discount God. The principle we find here is simple. In an insane world, all we need to do is to purpose in our hearts. We need to determine in our minds that we will stay faithful and loyal to God, and God will intervene. The principle of Daniel 1 is found in the next chapter, chapter and the following chapter and so on. You can read it for yourself before my next sermon. And let's compare notes. You will find it. The principle is this. Do what is right in God's sight and God will act in a miraculous way. He will make a...